10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Blast off! Welcome to the Feminist Critique. I'm Ajlene. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where uh, we talk about movies and we put them to both feminist and inclusive tests. And then we ask the most important question mm-hmm. of them all, which is, is the movie good? And this is a very special bonus episode, you guys. Yes. We are so excited to be talking about this movie, not only because it's actually a really good movie, mm-hmm. and we're not being paid to say that, but <laughs> we, we also got to interview one of the stars of the film, Alicia Reiner. So... Just stay tuned. We're going to talk about the movie. And after we talk about the movie, we're going to let you guys hear uh, about a 25-minute long interview. And we really, really hope you guys enjoy it. Yes. So, the movie we're looking at today is Egg. It came out just last year, uh, 2018. Has a Rotten Tomatoes score of a 100% critical, but only 50% audience. It was directed by Mariana Palka, who has also directed movies like Bitch and Good Dick. They're all indie films. <laughs> those, those. Um, but it's a trifecta, you know? I'm sorry, those are you just very the- strong, strong names, you know? Like yeah. They, they say it all in it. <laughs> and it's kind of like a trilogy, isn't it? You know, like, you're a bitch, or that's how society sees you. And then you get the good dick. And then, and then the, e- the egg. And then the egg gets fertilized. Because this is a movie about pregnancy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it was bad. It was a bad joke. Um, this was written by Risa Mickenberg. This is the only thing she's ever really written before. Mm-hmm. But she was a producer on a documentary called Capitalism, A Love Story. Which is the complete opposite of what it actually is. Um, oh, the thing I forgot to mention about uh, the director. Um, she played Vicky the Viking in the Netflix series Glow. You're right. She I forgot did. to put that down. Yeah. Um, the cast includes Christina Hendricks, known for Mad Men and Another Period. She plays Karen. Alicia Reiner, who's known for Better Things, The Deuce, Orange is the New Black, Sideways. She plays Tina. Mm-hmm. David Allen Bosch, uh, who's in shows like The Exes and Law and Order Criminal Intent, and is also Alicia Reiner's husband, plays Don. Anna Camp, who's known for Pitch Perfect. She was in The Help. Uh, she's coming out with this new TV show, Perfect was, Harmony, I think. She was in um, True Blood. And she plays... She was also in True Blood, and then uh, she played, like, this, uh, the wife of a preacher, like, one of those big, you know, mega church preachers cool. in True Blood. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. watch True Blood. Well, that's how she um, got her start. Oh. And she was well, also she in the Mindy Kiki. Project. Yeah. She she does. And, and... To, to have a f- little, you know, fun with Ashleen Stick around here. She is from Aiken, South Carolina. So she's a <laughs> Carolina girl. <laughs> Yay, I got one. You got one. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I fucking love it. 
Um, and then we have uh, uh, Banga Akinabe, who is um, Wayne, and he's been in The Deuce, and The Sun is also a star. So, let's talk about this movie. Uh, the thing you need to know about this movie is that it is a character study. Not a lot of plot, mostly character-driven, which we've done these before, and I can understand why some people don't like that kind of movie, you know? I like character pieces. Yeah. So, but if you don't like character pieces, you're probably not going to like this movie, because character pieces are about asking questions and developing a character over a short span of time. Exactly. Um, Sorry, we have a guest on the podcast, which is my cat. She's right on my shoulder. We have Alicia Reiner's uh, puppy on the podcast. It's true, we do. It's completely on brand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we are introduced to uh, Tina and to Wayne. Um, They're married. They have this amazing uh, apartment in this abandoned building. They basically, like, you know, um, kind of redone, have redone and everything. Tina is a radical feminist yeah like super radical feminist yeah she is uh very non-traditional um the two of them uh but you can tell that both the two of them are very happy in their marriage they both love each other yeah he's got a shirt that says patriarchy is a bitch yeah i liked that shirt i kind of wanted it but i can't wear it to work oh Free speech only goes as far as obscenity, and yeah, patriarchy you, is a bad word. Yeah, you can't do that in a <laughs> library. What would Benjamin Franklin think? Fuck him. Because <laughs> he invented the libraries in the States, or started them? He didn't invent them, but what? thanks for playing. <laughs> <laughs> he also um, brought the rocking chair to the States. Sorry, that is... That is a joke that nobody gets because I once said that to a bunch of, a group of girls at in eighth grade and everybody just kind of stared at me and they were like, fucking weirdo. <laughs> so. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Wayne is, of course, a very supportive person, you know, and they're getting ready because Tina's friend from college, they both went to art school together. Her name's Karen. Karen and her husband, Don, are coming over for a lunch, dinner kind of thing, you know, just to just to kind of reconnect and chill out. Yeah. Catch up, you know, because um, the two of them were um, both Tina and Karen uh, went to school together, at, which was art school, right? So, you know, Tina's mm-hmm. still an artist and um, Karen... Karen's kind of put that life behind her and is about to be a stay-at-home mom because she's yeah. pregnant. You know, yeah, and she's married exactly. to a guy. They're upper middle class. You know, they drive a really nice car, which gets milkshaked. <laughs> yep. While they're while they're driving through the shitty part of the city, which it's really not bad. Um, I I you know, think kind of it's. It's honestly been gentrified. I'm gonna be real. Yeah. Well, with the way Don's talking, he was like, oh, this is a bad part of town. Are we gonna be able to? And it's like, yeah, okay, Don. Like, fuck off. Like, it's not even a bad part of town. Like, it's not. Um, but 
anyway, they uh, they they show up, and uh, Wayne sees that Karen is pregnant, and Wayne proceeds to give a lot of unsolicited advice to Karen about her pregnancy. Well, it, there was like and the one like, part where okay, like he dude. hugged her, he hugged her, and then he's like, "Oh, pregnant ladies smell so good," and it's like, "Whoa, there, Joe Biden! Like, calm the fuck down." Yeah, I didn't hear that because my microphone blacked out. What did she say? I said, whoa there, Joe Biden. Calm the fuck down. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> and then there's that one part where he's, like, telling her, you know, you should do pelvic floor exercises. Yeah. Dude. Leave her alone. <laughs> that, 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 that kinda, this is, like, the first thing we can actually, like, really talk about. Yeah. And that is... I don't know what it is when a woman is pregnant, but everybody wants to give their unsolicited advice that the pregnant woman did not ask for. Yeah. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. I had a water birth. Well, I had natural because it's better than an epidural because the drugs get into the baby system and blah, 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 blah. I've I've heard it all. I've had, like, people give me advice, even though I've never been pregnant. I'm just fat. So there's been people who are like, oh, when are you expecting? And I'm like, um, well, okay, I want to die now. Thanks. <laughs> but every time Listen. I'm just like, no, honey, I'm just fat. And the look of shock on their face is just like, uh, and I'm like, well, it's probably because yeah, you're fu- one of those, you're one of the types that, you know, you're overweight, but your weight carries in the front. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like that kind of so thing. So I've got a, I've got one of those bellies, cause, cause I'm thick, but uh, I am thick in the stomach area. So like I would look way better if my stomach wasn't there and it was like all in my ass. But I mean, you know, sometimes you can't help where your jeans are, and mine are yeah, my fucking jeans really suck. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah, very you, Scottish. You don't want to know. You don't want to know what it's like when I go to the doctor and they're like, yeah, so family history. And then I list everything and they're like, oh, wow. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a Petri dish. (laughs) Um, So anyway, uh, you know, Wayne, of course, is giving this unsolicited advice. And Karen's just like, yeah, sure, um, whatever. Uh, And... They end up uh, having some wine, which Wayne refuses to drink in front of them, but he's sipping it off in the corner for some reason. Like, he's hiding the fact that he's drinking. Well, didn't he say uh, he wasn't going to drink it, like, uh, to be in the same boat In solidarity with Karen. And it was like, dude, okay. It, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it gets a little weird. Um, already yeah, a little. with this, with the conversation, um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, there's not a lot of plot here. Um, after the, you know, they've kind of got to know each other, you know, uh, and then Tina and Wayne, she kind of eggs Wayne on, but Wayne's like, no, you do it. And they're like, no, you, no, you, no, you. Uh, Tina and Wayne are also having a baby, but... They're doing it through surrogacy. Yes. Uh, which, which is still very taboo. Well, I mean, from Karen and Don's like, reaction, like, Karen is almost horrified at even the 
thought that like you know another somebody, woman carrying my child like what? how how dare you even think because you know we do find out that Tina's character she can have children but she chooses she not to. to yeah she chooses not yeah. to right so mm-hmm. um yeah and uh see in society a woman not wanting to put her body through that is seen as selfish don't get me wrong. Tina is a very selfish person. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's very apparent throughout the whole movie. She is actually very selfish. But there are moments where she's not. And I can understand not wanting to put yourself through that. Like, I personally do not want to put myself through that. And I doubt I ever have natural children. Now, I do plan on adopting you know, but that's also super expensive unless you go through the foster care system. So, which is a mess. So. Yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, um, so there's, cause like you are right, uh, where society does treat women who don't want children almost like, like, why wouldn't you want children? That's, you know, part of being a woman. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, not necessarily it doesn't have to be part of you know being a woman like i will say i don't think i want children i i've thought long and hard about this uh and um so this is gonna get a little bit personal but um i was convinced that i was pregnant today because some stuff and uh luckily I took a test and I'm not pregnant, so woo. Um, but I don't know if, what I would have done um, if I was put into that situation because this is there's a, there's a lot of talk about these sorts of issues uh, in society, especially in the here and now. Yeah, um, in the states, most yeah. most mostly uh, most of all, at least as far as the Western centric world. Um, because the U.S. has a lot of states that are putting regressive policies in place that are meant to try and overturn Roe v. Wade, which was a Supreme Court decision that gave women the right to body autonomy and to abortion. And you have a lot of heartbeat bills that are coming out and a lot of uh, punishing doctors who give abortions. It's very, very scary. Very scary. It's Handmaid's well, Tale brought to life. But that's because that's the thing. Like people, especially these pro-life people. Like if you're a pro-life, but you're no, not. No, no, pro- no, 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 no. We don't call them pro-life. Okay. They're anti-choice. <laughs> anti-choice. Okay, so anti-choice people. Um, if you're not doing anything after the fact of a woman having a child. Or helping that sort of way, like, oh, I don't know, helping with homeless shelters or helping single mothers or things like that. Having paid maternity leave. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that you guys don't do in the States, eh? You guys get, what, six weeks off to, Six I guess, weeks unpa- unpaid maternity. Oh, wow. Unpaid. Do you know how much yeah. we get here in Canada? How much? Um, take a wild guess. Uh, three months paid. <laughs> oh, no, honey. 18. What do you get? 
You get 18 months paid maternity? No, well, I mean, we it's not fully paid. I think you get like 60% off, but it's it's basically uh, like going on EI. Oh, so it's supplemental income. Yeah. But like it's still... For, uh, for the states, if you have um, long-term disability, like if you're out of work for over six months, you basically get a supplemental um, supplemental salary from the place you work from. Yeah. Well, yeah, my dad did, so. Yeah, so, I mean, we get, um, so we get that for about 18 months. It used to be just 12 months, but they upped it. Um, well, that's Because, nice. you know, it's important uh, for the first, you know, year or so for a mother to be with their child. Um, obviously, it doesn't work for everybody, right? But, you know, it, it gives a helping hand so that, you know. Yeah, we don't even have, like... Um, one of the things that I really support is a uh, universal childcare because yeah. childcare is as expensive in the U S as college. And this, of course, one of the things that they talk about in the movie is how, um, being a mother is so expensive and it actually forces a woman to make decisions that do not help her career mm-hmm. in the U S right. Um, that's why there's a pay gap, because women have to take off to be mothers if they decide they want to be mothers. And this causes um, a lack of moving up in the company where you normally would. You know, in, in the U.S., you cannot be fired because you are pregnant or because you are a mom. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there are always ways of getting around shit like that, you know? To make things so, more difficult, Yes. Yeah, exactly. And the U.S. is not very uh, family-centric in that way. For the anti-choice crowd, most of the time, they're like, yeah, you know, they're all for no abortion, but there's no social safety nets to help women who are maybe more underprivileged. Or, Um, you know, maybe we, because they get really mad if, like, uh, they're giving birth control to women, too. And it's like... And it's like, hey, maybe, just maybe, there would be less abortions that y'all hate if you gave people some education about other than abstinence. Uh, yeah, and- see, see in, uh, in Denver, Colorado, well, in Colorado in general, um, they used to have a really high abortion rate for teenagers. Yeah. Um, then uh, they passed a law a few years ago where if you are 16 or older... You don't have to get, or I think it's either 14 or 16, you don't have to have parents' permission to get birth control. And you know what happened? Without that, abortion and teen pregnancy rates cut in half. In half. Just from giving access to birth control. Unfettered. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And it's like... You talk all the time about how you are pro-life, quote-unquote. Okay, you want to stop abortion? The best way to do that is through actual sex education and birth control. But don't you know, Gracie, it's like in that Monty Python sketch. Every seed has its purpose, I think. Is that it? I think so. It's been something, a really long time since I watched Monty Python. It was like something to that effect, but every seed must fertilize an egg. Oh, God. I'm just kidding. Yeah, That's and awful. it's like, okay, here's the way of looking at things, right? You have 
one woman and a hundred men. That woman is only going to get pregnant one time in a year. Yeah. If you have a hundred women and one man, that one man could statistically impregnate all 100 women. I say we on us, the women. I say that it'd be mandatory for men to get vasectomies. And if you want a child, okay, then only then can you have your vasectomy reversed. Yeah. That should be the new law. All men. And like, you know once what? you turn to you certain age, to go- vasectomies. You don't have to get your men. wife's permission or your girlfriend's permission exactly. or your mom or dad's permission to get a fucking vasectomy if you're 18. You can just get one. Women can't even get their tubes tied unless they're a certain age or have a certain number of children of a certain sex. Oh, because we might change our minds, despite the oh, fact yeah, right, that, right, like, right, right. Hey, or we need, our, or we need our husband's permission, right? You are you know, fucking like, kidding me? I'm fucking serious. Oh my God. Like, if I were to go to an OB, uh, an uh, OBGYN, right, mm-hmm. and I said, "Hey, I'm 27 years old. I don't have any children, but I want to get my tubes tied," they would laugh at me. Really? <laughs> yeah, they would not give it to me. I would need permission or they would say something to the effect of, well, what about your future husband? Ew. Yeah, I know. What about a thing? And I mean, huh? What about if you're like a lesbian and you just don't want to take the risk? Like, like, really? Somebody would say that to you? Ugh. Yep. Kill me. But why would I get my tubes tied if I'm a lesbian? I don't know what you do with your life. <laughs> I'm just asking. But, I mean, I mean, like, I'm not saying you're I, a I gold star you... lesbian. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not saying this is like you know. Oh, we're not, we're not getting just off a topic. little bisexual. This... Sorry. Uh, Go on. <laughs> um, like we're not, we're not actually off topic. Like these are the kind of things that come up in the movie, and like, of course, Karen and Don are like freak the fuck out at the idea of surrogacy, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Tina explains that she doesn't want to be that kind of a mother. She doesn't want a traditional household. She wants to experiment in a new way. Like, you know, Kiki, the girl they're having the surrogacy with, would be the mother if she wanted that title, whereas Tina would be something. You know, they hadn't really worked out all those details yet. Which... This is kind of where you don't agree with her. Well, the way it sounds is Tina wants to be a dad. She wants to be a what? A dad. Yeah. And hello. Here's the thing. The great thing about this movie is that I legit did not hear what you just said. I said the great thing about this movie. We're having some connection issues. Yes, we Um, are. Uh, do you want to, do you want to, No, like, I don't want to stop. I'll edit it. <laughs> like, I'll just, like, we'll take it out and I'll edit it. Or maybe I won't. Yeah, I but know, I mean, but. I'm, I'm fine right now. It only goes out every little bit. Yeah, but it's like legit every like 10 seconds. It's not every 10 seconds. It's almost. Okay. Um, disconnect and then reconnect, but I'm going to keep recording. Oh yeah, of course. And I'll edit it out. Maybe.
Dun, dun, dun. Hello? Hi. Okay. Um, so, one of the great things about this movie is that you don't have to agree, right? Tina is far beyond anything I would ever want to be. Not to mention her idea of motherhood is kind of awful, in my opinion. Like, she sees raising a baby as an experiment, and you should never look at wanting to raise a child as a science experiment. What are you talking about? That's like the best way and the most impactful, you know, way to have a child is to treat them like a test tube or, you know, um, a hypothesis. I'm saying science <laughs> words now. <laughs> Ashley's like, I didn't pass science in school. <laughs> What's another science word? So I sound smart. Hypothesis. I already said that one. <laughs> the other one. Well, shit. Um... But yeah, so like, this is where Tina goes way off the rails as far as like, she's the superest liberalist progressive liberal of all progressive liberals. She's like, way out there on the other side of the left, you know? And I think not many people would actually agree with her world worldview of pregnancy. You know, she sees pregnancy as slavery, almost. Like, that's how she almost says it. It does and sound like, about right, though. I mean, if you do think about it, mm, I wouldn't compare. Oh uh, no, I didn't pregnancy. mean it. I didn't mean it like. I did not mean it like that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's how it sounded. I know you didn't mean it like that, so that's why I was kind of like, you know. Um. <laughs> I was like gonna go into a bit, but I'm like, oh no, honey. <laughs> self-correct that shit real quick yeah <laughs> um but no like that's how tina kind of sees it though right she sees this as just a capitalist thing that you know keeps women down in shackles and understandably there are things about being a mom that put you down in society that yeah, i mean you know, some of us have seen the hands made in handmaiden's tale right so yeah, but Tina's acting like what's what's going on in the realm of the movie is the exact same thing as The Handmaid's Tale, but it, we're not there not. yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. So when are you uh, coming to Canada? <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, so th- they have that conversation and everything kind of like mellows out. And then Wayne gets a phone call from the surrogate, Kiki, who's gone off on her uh, boyfriend who's also married and has five kids. Five? So, yeah, five. Shit. What? Oh no, I just said that's a lot of I meant that's a lot of kids. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> we're gonna have to do so much editing on this. No we won't <laughs> because that's just how it is. Um, so anyway, uh, they go, uh, uh, Wayne decides to go pick up Kiki, and Don's like, hey, I'll take you where you don't have to ride your bike, so they go in his escalator, whatever, to go, uh, pick up Kiki. Now, while they're gone, Tina and Karen, you know, they kind of explore the apartment together. Tina shows Karen her exhibit, and 
things are growing great. You know, she explains to Karen that the reason they're doing the surrogacy thing was because she had actually gotten pregnant. And she and Wayne decided together to have an abortion. But after the abortion, Wayne kind of had a bug, you know. He he regretted it. He wanted to have a baby. But Karen was not willing to put her body through that. So they went with a surrogate. So. Okay. Which is heavy topics, first of all. You know, abortion, deciding to not become a mother physically. You know, that kind of shit nobody talks about. Like, we talk about abortion, but we only ever get the pundit side of things. Well, cause, like, and then you people, got people you like know, Bernie Sanders saying it's an all-women's issue. But it's Listen. not. It's a very real decision that, <laughs> you know, people have to make, right? Whether it's... Um, you can't wow. do it because of My financial reasons. Scratching. Oh. But, you know, whether it's for financial reasons or... Because um, that's the problem. If you, if you can't afford to bring a child into the world then you shouldn't because and and some people even though they can't afford it they they decide to you know keep the child and that is overall their decision but that's the problem or not the problem but like that's the thing my they thing made is that, they made that decision that's yeah, what they want for is, their life my thing is it doesn't matter what a woman gets an abortion for it's never anyone's decision but hers. Not the guy that got her pregnant. Nobody but hers. Because she's the one that's going to have to suffer through that. Because pregnancy is traumatic to the female body. Or to a body that has a uterus. You know, because there are trans men who have had children. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's like... You gotta, you, if you do not have a uterus, you do not get an opinion. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's my way of thinking of it. And don't turn this into, it's an everyone problem. It's not. It is about people who have a uterus and can have children. It's about them. And their decision and what they want to do. Their decision. What they want for their own lives. Yeah, so... Any other any other answer you have to that question is wrong. It is the decision of the person that has a uterus. Because <coughs> that's the thing. So, people, when you're put onto, like, the donor card, right, as when you die, and, um, and whether you have organs or whatever, right, or, like, whether you have organs or not, but you kind of get what I mean, right? Is yeah, like if you, you have you not, you cannot have your organs harvested without your permission beforehand, right? So, we're giving, uh, and, and that's even if you have a perfectly healthy heart that would, or you know, organs that would you know save tons of lives. You, if you have yeah. not given that permission, they cannot take that out of your body. Right? Nope. So why So a dead we- body has more body autonomy than a pregnant woman. Exactly. That's some shit. Yeah. So that's what people <laughs> don't think about 
when we're making we're talking about this conversation no they also want to give personhood <laughs> to something that doesn't even have a fully developed nervous system or a or a consciousness mm-hmm. you know up until the 20 to 22 week mark a pregnancy is not viable outside of the womb and in my opinion <coughs> Up until that point of viability, it is a woman's decision, yeah. right? But most abortions occur 14 weeks or before. Yeah. And the ones that occur after 14 weeks are usually wanted pregnancies that um, have to be taken care of because of threat to the mother or th- um, there's some <coughs> developmental issue with the fetus that's going to end with a stillbirth. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When people are like, yeah. Oh, or it was actually Trump when he was like, yeah, they can take that baby out at the very last second. You could be nine months pregnant and that baby could be taken out and just killed. And it's like, no, no, that is not, not, that is not what happens. I'm sorry. Like at all. Um, That is called what it sounds like is like, he's trying to misconstrue what happens with women who decide to carry a full-term pregnancy with a baby that isn't going to live more than an hour outside of her body because of developmental issues. Like, but the doctor and the mom aren't just (laughs) deciding to execute the child. It's not like they're going to cut up the child. (laughs) Like, that's the thing. Like, a friend of mine told me uh, recently, right, because we had this conversation and she was like, well, you know, with those late-term pregnancies, it's awful what they do to the fetuses. They like, um, they like, you know, pull it out and then they like, like twist the neck or something to the effect to like kill the child. And I was like, that's I don't think that's what happens. Now that- there are there are uh, later-term abortions where a cesarean section is too big of a risk, mm. right? But at that point. It's fetal death, you know? Like, the removal of the fetus might be gory, but it's fetal death. It's not like they're cutting a living, breathing child out of her, you know? That's not how it works. But there's a lot of ignorance about abortion and a lot of opinions that are based on whatever you see in a conservative news network. That's the thing. I didn't even know. like, unplanned. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I didn't even really know what abortion was, like what they did to like take the baby out, I guess, uh, until I would say about two years ago when I watched a video on YouTube where they like explained it and I was like, oh, okay, so you take a pill for a good chunk, like um, at one point. Up until about 12 to 13, I think 12 weeks, you can just take a pill and it induces a miscarriage. Yeah. And then- And then the other one is, like, it's, like, they suck out all the cells or whatever. Yeah. And and, and when they... you know, it's... When they explained it, I was like, oh, it's not as gross as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Of course not. But, you know, people, you know, and... uh, Listen, this isn't just a conservative thing. Like, I know atheists who are dead set against women having an abortion because they consider uh, a fetus a living, breathing human being. And, um, okay, fine. 
we're going to call it personhood at the time of conception. Okay, that means a pregnant woman gets to file taxes, gets to have a social security number, gets to have all that shit while she's still pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, we get to do all this shit. Also, any woman who is in prison and is pregnant has to be released because they're unlawfully detaining an innocent person. Exactly. You see how dumb that is? So, anyway. <sighs> we're, we're on a lot of tangents today. Um, so, after this, uh, after they do this whole thing, you know, Tina and Karen kind of get into an argument, but then afterwards they make up. And Tina, you know, talks to Karen, or Karen talks to Tina about how she thinks Don's cheating on her. Um, and that he hasn't looked at her the same since she got pregnant. And, you know, Karen's like, you know, well, y'all, y'all work it out, right? You know, he, she's like, here's the thing. Like, are you going to have a boy or a girl? And Karen tells her that they're going to have a boy. And Tina's like, okay, well, what you do is you name the boy after some male relative that he admires and he'll love you forever. Which is kind of a traditionalist view of looking at things for such a radical feminist like Tina, you know? But if you think, I think she's just trying to help her friend, right? Exactly. You know, is worried about her asshole husband, uh, like, going on with, you know, other other women, right? So, uh, and I mean, yeah, is that, like, um, the most feminist thing to do? Well, eh. Who cares? I guess. I don't know. Like, I mean, if that's what um, Karen decides, then it's what she decides. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> after they have this conversation, they also do like a dick drawing contest, which you don't see the pictures. Um, well, after yeah, because uh, Tina had um, had shown Karen like her her studio. Right. And like all mm-hmm. the different paintings, because that's um and this was actually a really long shot, like 10 Which minutes. we'll discuss later yeah. in the interview. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, Wayne and Don show back up with Kiki. Kiki is the worst. She is. <laughs> but Anna Camp is the best. <laughs> oh, she does such a good job, like, playing this character and, like, yeah, making Kiki us hate very... this character. Kiki's is very self-absorbed, everything is about me kind of person. Like, yes, Tina is selfish, but Kiki is like, holy shit, girl. Um, well, she's so- like bubbly and happy and like, she's like, um, at one t- point she's talking about like her, her old boyfriend who's married and he's, she's talking about like his wife and she's like, but she's old and like she's such a bitch and all and this she other- gets pregnant on purpose every yeah. time he's gonna leave her and he's just such a good dad and then like Dawn is listening to this and is like rubbing her fucking thigh in front of his wife and Karen of course gets up she's very upset and she goes into a room into the bathroom to start crying and Kiki's like oh don't cry I'm okay you don't have to cry and you're like Kiki shut the fuck up Kiki do you love me no (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a really bad Drake joke, but when I heard her name, that's all I could think was Kiki, do you love me? (laughs) Did you know Um, that Drake's from Toronto and he's also the worst? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> he likes to um, have, uh, you know, friendships with 14-year-old girls when he's a 30-year-old man. Ugh. Yeah, a little weird. A little bit. Um, so Karen eventually, like, she comes back in. And, of course, Dawn is still fucking, like, messing with Kiki. And, you know, she mentions, like... Oh, Kiki is going through the five phases of a woman's life, which we'll get into more in our interview with Alicia. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the five stages of life for a girl are girlhood, you grow boobs, you have your wild 20s, you become a mother, and then you get old, right? And And by the time you're old, like, you're fucking useless. And if you don't have children, well, you're fucking useless. Yeah, and Kiki is like, I'm on stage four. I'm not a vixen anymore. And And Dawn's like, like, yeah, you're a vixen still. And Karen's like, wow. You know, and she says something. And she says something about how, you know, Dawn, you know, why don't you find me attractive? And he's like, I don't. Like, he flat out fucking says in front of all those people that he does not find her attractive since she got pregnant. That she is not up to the level of attraction that he expects from her. I know. And it's it's like gross. And and it's like, okay, listen, she is eight months pregnant with your child. What the fuck? And have you seen her? Have you seen her? She is Christina Hendricks. She is gorgeous. (laughs) But yeah, like he flat tells her, you don't look as good as you did before you got pregnant. What the fuck, Don? And after he says this, like, Tina and, you know, Tina and him get into it. But then, (laughs) but then Wayne kind of steps up to Kiki's defense. And then there's this big, huge argument between all of them. Tina and Wayne have a huge fight. And then Kiki is like, oh, well, I'm thinking about having an abortion because I'm going to go back to my, you know, to my ex-boyfriend. And then Don comes up with this grand idea um, and he looks at Kiki and he goes, hey, so, you know, um, I uh, just bought this building, right? And uh, it was a rent-controlled apartment building. So you can get this rent-controlled apartment in the East Village in New York for 450 bucks. But I'm actually not going to give it to you. I'm just going to give it to Wayne. And then it's up to Wayne to decide if you guys, you know, keep it. And first of all... $450 in the East Village? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, so we were looking at prices before, and um, yeah, so the average price of an apartment in the East Village is about ballparked about 3000 3400 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> what and, and a discount. Yeah, what a discount. Um, <laughs> And there's like there was also the the thing with the the penis drawing com. Uh, oh yeah, that comes up like afterwards. Oh, okay. And, like Wayne is super pissed, right? Because Karen or Tina had drawn him as small, and his toxic masculinity, that fragile, fragile masculinity, couldn't handle the fact that she had that- drawn him with a small dick. Yeah, and I think the idea and lost was his shit over it. 
Well, I and think then they like get the into whole... another big fight. And then Well, like obviously she was like, you know, drawing a picture of like a cute penis or whatever, right? What? Um, where um Karen's <laughs> picture is like really detailed, I guess. Yeah, like girthy and well <laughs> well drawn. You know, I'm big. <laughs> you know, and he's got this. I mean, like, I'm a size queen and in a forest. <laughs> I mean, I'm a size queen, and like that was about the right size. Sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um. Uh. So yeah, you know, after this, like, there's this big, huge fight again between all of them. And one of my favorite parts is actually when uh, Dawn and um, Tina are having their little back and forth with each other. Yeah. And the sexual tension was palatable. Yes, it was. I was like, oh, just fuck already. (laughs) But, you know, she looks at him and she gives, like, these cruel eyes and she goes... Men like you are scared of women like me. Which is true, but Tina's obviously not the best person. <laughs> to be saying that. Uh, so, after this, uh, they kind of just not really work it all out, but Karen and Dawn decide they're going to leave. Um, but then Tina mentions as they're walking out the door you know, good luck to you and your son, to Karen, or something like that. And, you know, Karen, you know, is like, oh, you know, it's kind of sweet, because Tina is wanting her friend to have a successful marriage, even though she's married to a dirtbag. Um, And, you know, of course, Dawn is pleased. But that's the thing, overall, right, is that despite these two friends not seeing like eye to eye on things right because there is that moment where tina is like she says to karen are you happy right because they had just had like the conversation about you know like all of their thoughts and fears and stuff right and that is when karen's like yes and then tina asks her again and karen like definitely she's like yes i am happy despite all the flaws that are going on in my life I'm still happy. Which, even if it's a front, like, it's not Tina's business. Exactly. You know? So, that's the thing. Tina's kind of overstepping her bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this, Wayne kind of hovers for a minute. Uh, Karen and Dawn are going to take <laughs> Kiki home. Or to the apartment. And then uh, Wayne and Tina get into it. And Wayne's like, you control everything. You're a control freak. You do all of this horrible shit. You make me feel like less than a man and I'm sick of it and you're selfish and I'm leaving. And, you know, Tina's like, no, you can't leave. But he does. He grabs his bike and he's like, no, I'm done. And they kind of break up, I guess. And then he goes downstairs and he gets in the Escalade with Karen and Don and Kiki and they drive off. And then Tina's staring out the window, watching them leave. Well, no, she goes up to the roof. Yeah, and then she... That's right. She goes up to the roof, not out the window. Yeah. And it kind of fades out. And then you see one year later pop up on screen. 
and it fades in and we're at Tina's exhibit of egg, which is the, you know, name in the movie, but also the name of her, uh, her exhibit. Yeah. And she's drinking a glass of wine and she looks across the way and she sees Wayne and he has a baby and they just kind of look at each other and then it fades out into credits and that's the end of the movie. And it's very ambiguous. You know, you as the viewer get to fill in the blanks. Do they get back together? Do they separate? You know, um, which later on in the interview, we'll talk more about that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was it. Yep, that was the movie. So um, we should probably do the tests. Yeah, let's do those tests. So, uh, Bechdel test, two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. They talk a lot about pregnancy and not necessarily about the men in their lives. So it's passed. Then we have the racial Bechdel test, two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. There is only one person of color in this film, so it does not pass. And then you have the uh, Macomori test, a female character who has a character arc that's not about pushing a male narrative forward. I think that both Karen and Tina have character arcs that aren't necessarily about the men in their lives, but rather of themselves and coming to grips with their differences. Mm-hmm. So it's a pass. Then we have the DuVernay test, which is a person of color who... Uh, has a character arc that's not about pushing a white character's narrative forward. Um, the only person of color in this movie is really just a plot device for Tina, so it's a fail. Then we have the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp and it not take away from the plot? And I'm going to say this passes because Kiki is very vital to whatever's going on. You know, like... She's part of the conversation even when she's not there. And when she does get there, she becomes the center of the attention. Yeah. And, you know, she also opens up the dialogue about, uh, you know, possible abortion and stuff like that. So I feel like she's a necessary character for the plot. Yeah. You couldn't get rid of her. Um, then we have our final test, which is the Vito Russo test. Are there any... Uh, GSRM, which is gender, sexuality, and or romantic minority, uh, who is in this film, and they have, you know, character arc, and it's not about being a stereotype, they have agency, and the answer is no. Yeah, there's only five characters in this entire movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a low-budget character study. So, overall, you know, three three out of six. Not bad. So... Not bad. Um, now, uh, I really liked this movie. I, I've i watched it three or four times, which I say in the interview. Yeah. Um, but I like character studies. If you're not a fan of character studies and, like, one-act kind of plays, you're not going to like this movie. But I really liked it. Um, I kind of feel like it's probably a little bit... Um, Cause it feels like a play. Like I, I liked the movie, but it felt more like a play. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, um, like quite as good as a movie. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, some people, but, some things are better as plays. 
But I enjoyed that um, that it brought up, you know, conversations that, you know, overall we don't have about pregnancy and being a woman and, you know, all those things in between. Yeah. Um, so uh, now we're going to pause here and we'll meet you back on the other side. But now we are going to let you listen to our amazing interview with Alicia Reiner. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. So you just listened to our episode on the movie. And now we're here with Alicia Reiner from the movie Egg, um, which, of course, is a movie that takes a look at motherhood and all that it encompasses, whether women choose to be moms, whether they fear it, or they just decide not to have kids at all. So Please uh, welcome Alicia Reiner to our podcast, and we just want to say thank you so much for being on the Feminist Critique. Oh, my pleasure! And it's—I'm a little nervous listening to that introduction because I'm like, oh, I hope they like the movie. We haven't even talked about it yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I—I I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I really liked it too. Yeah, I, I think I've watched it three times already because I was. Oh like, my okay, god! I wanted to make sure I got it all. <laughs> Wow, awesome. Yeah, Thank so, you. Um, so, uh, you know, Ashley and I both read that you had uh, actually read Egg as a play about 10 mm-hmm. or so years ago. Mm-hmm. So what motivated you to turn this play into a movie? Well, basically, when I, I we bumped into the writer and she had already turned it into a movie and I had just made my movie equity. And she said, Oh my God, it's so weird that I bumped into you. She was actually, we were on a ferry boat, um, from Kismet. So we like to say it was Kismet. And, uh, and she said, I, I wrote the screenplay. Would you want to read it? And David and I read it and we, couldn't believe that no one had produced it either as a play or a movie that there were so many conversations that were more topical and more relevant than ever, particularly considering the way we're redefining gender and redefining sexuality in such deep ways. And yet we have these very dare I say, antiquated or old-fashioned ideas of role structure in reference to parenthood. And we wanted to explore that in a more thoughtful way. Yes, I noticed that. Um, One of the things I really liked about this movie was the fact that it was a conversation starter in a way, because you never see this kind of stuff come on screen, you know? Mm -hmm. And... uh, you know, I, I watched your interview that you did with Build Series, and you, you know, you talked mm-hmm. about how you and the other producers, because you are a producer for this film, you wanted to hire women pretty much exclusively. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ashlyn and I, we do film, po- you know, we talk about film all the time. We've never come across a film that had as many women on the crew Yay. as well as in the cast. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and that's, you know, I... For me, that was such a huge piece of it. And my, our goal as the team, you know, I'm speaking personally, but it was very much a team effort, was not only to make 
art that changes, but how we make it. Like, that's such a piece of the world right now, how we do things, not just um, the the art itself, you know, how we, how, if I'm going to be a boss and I'm going to be the corporate structure and I'm going to be the erstwhile patriarchy as a boss, mm-hmm. I want to do it in the most thoughtful and equal way. Right. Yeah, because you've seen that in the past where a lot of movies, you know, whether it's a woman's story or not, you know, the director's a male, the um, a lot of the, the people behind the scenes are male. And then you have, you know, this movie that's kind of from like the male gl- um, gaze. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which it, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, the flack that that was given for Wonder Woman because uh, it was exactly. it was directed by a female and people were yeah. like, what? A woman directing a superhero movie? Because <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so we, we really do love it when we can see a lot of women behind the scenes, you know. And it's just like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is one of my heroes. You know, she's like, oh, people, yeah. people never batted an eye when nine men were on the Supreme Court, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, they took offense to the idea of nine women, you know. Right, so. right. So I thought that was interesting. Now, you play Tina in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So did you feel any kind of connection with her, you know, as a character? <laughs> um, I think my biggest connection is she... She speaks deep truths I, I think that's not true I think my biggest connection is my favorite thing about her is she's willing to love someone and disagree with them um, that's one of the things I think I love the most about myself is I'm people can have a really different opinion than me about a variety of things and I can still love and respect them. And to me, there were, there were two really important points in this movie. And if you've heard my interviews before, you've probably heard me talk about them, which is one that not just women, but everyone who sees the film is inspired to have the courage and curiosity to live their own truth. And that this movie for me was a movie about the exploration in finding your own truth, sometimes doing it really badly. You know, I think Tina's journey in this movie is she had her own truth about what she wants in reference to parenthood. She Mm -hmm. lost her way because she fell in love and was sort of willing to do whatever it took to keep that man, which we all have done and, or not, we all have done, but I certainly have done. And then she found her truth again. Like that is how I would sort of explain her journey. And it's my hope that as people watch this movie and watch that journey, they have the courage to find their own truth. Um, Now, during the way, she she says some things that are really challenging for some people. So <laughs> I hope they're willing to go along the journey with her, all, even though she does it. Hey, puppy, calm it down. Sorry. 
Oh, I, have a, I have a puppy. Don't and he's worry. Eating my arm. He's don't worry. Eating my arm right now. This isn't an unprofessional podcast. Um, I have four dogs. It's fine. There and Ashleen has a cat that's sometimes a guest. We get it. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, um, um yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then the uh, I will just say the other yeah. piece is that we, you know, I fell in love with the script right after we found out that. 52% of white women voted for Trump. And I just felt like we need to learn to listen to each other more and understand each other more. Like I simply don't understand how that's possible. Um, so I'm with you on that. <laughs> I, I felt like the other important thing in this movie for me was making a movie about being willing to listen to your friend and lovingly disagree with them, you know, and to me, I think when we're willing to do that, it helps all of us more. Um, and I really feel deeply about that. Like when I'm willing to listen to my friend's opinion about whatever uh, Trump or gun control or mm -hmm. a different a, a, a opinion that is different than mine, it helps grow us all. Um, I read a fascinating article in the Times today about a man who had lost his son to gun violence and then went on a journey and a quest to learn more about gun violence and specifically to learn more about gun ownership. And he bought a gun and he learned to shoot it and he tried to really find out what what gun owners feel and why they make the choices that they do that are so different than ones he would make yeah um as as someone uh personally who comes from south carolina and being mm -hmm. a liberal in South Carolina, mm -hmm. most of the people around me do not have the same ideas as me. And mm. in some ways, I'm a little more conservative. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you learn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of, the, one of the things about this movie that I thought was interesting was Kiki's concept, conceptualization of the stages of a woman's life. Mm -hmm. I thought this was really interesting because... I understood that. I completely got it. You know, like she said, you start off as a girl and, you know, and then you grow, you grow boobs and suddenly mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, wow, you're starting to turn into a sexual object. Mm -hmm. And then in your 20s is the time to be sexy and to be a vixen. And then you become a mother because that's the next natural step. And then after that, you become a grandmother. So... Um, so the film conceptualizes it this way. Do you think that a lot of women see their life in very specific stages similar to that? Ooh, such a good question. I don't know. I, I kind of want to turn that right around and say, how do you, do you feel like you do? I feel like I do in a way, mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm. not necessarily in the same way that Kiki in the movie does, yep. but I feel like there are certain stages and for some it's a little different in how it plays out, but we, mm -hmm. we all go through that growth, 
you know we yep. go from being the girl and then as somewhere between the ages of 9 and 14 you start realizing that men are looking at you mm-hmm. in a way that you get is... whistled on the street when yep. you're 12 yep. years old and you're going what the hell's going on totally totally you become this sexual object and you're like i don't want to be a sexual object and it's you know it's fascinating to me because i have a 10 year old right now mm-hmm. who is experimenting with her image and has cut off all her hair and likes to wear what one would traditionally call a men's suit Mm -hmm. but she also wants to wear earrings and she also you know loves lots of like today she wore a dress with a tie um and she's really playing with our gender norms in in image and I love it, and I wish I had done that. Um, yeah, I and... was I was a big player with Barbies until I was twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, and... I find with the younger generations, they're more fluid with their gender. Exactly. Um, and I and I see. Um, so I, I work at a, a gay bar in Edmonton, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people are gender neutral and yep. uh, they are just, they are free and they are doing whatever they want. And a lot of them are 10 years younger than me. And I, I almost wish that 10 years ago that, that, that I could have done that. Totally. Um, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's a very to different see. time. And it's, yeah. and I think it's awesome. Like what's possible for our children is beautiful and amazing. And we have to keep up, you know? And that's, <laughs> that's the challenge and not judge it and not exactly. go, you know, what, what's this about? And, um, I love that she's teaching me in this way. Um, and I just, my, as I've said to her a hundred times, like, I just want her to live her truth and be, feel free to explore what that means and to really, <sighs> Not not label herself in any right. way, you know, including like I think it's it can the only time it can get tricky is like when then it becomes like you label yourself as non-binary and you feel like you can't do it. You can't go back, you know, like what if she, like what if she decides that she wants to be a she or, you know, like that. um I think to I love the idea of fluidity because mm-hmm. I that's my biggest goal that she always feel like there is fluidity in her choices and that she's constantly growing not and becoming not not stagnant at any point. I I completely agree. Um you know, and then uh, after, after you know, like, the second stage was, of course, throwing the boobs and becoming aware of that. Mm-hmm. And then the third stage is your wild 20s. Well, I can tell you, I'm, uh, I'm in my wild 20s and I'm not wild. <laughs> 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 you can ask yeah. Ashley, I'm the most boring I, person. <laughs> Whereas well, it's funny the, for me, yeah. Uh, Ashley, of course, was a lot wilder than I was. I was, well, I was, you know, I grew up in New York City, so my yeah. wildest times were actually my teens. Like, I was super wild in my teens, and then I met, like, I met my husband pretty young, and I was, you know, uh, my 20s were not that crazy after, you know, like, after early, 
like I met by the time I met him, like shit got real, you know? Yeah. And it got a little, you know, I don't want to say boring. (laughs) (laughs) Not that he'll ever listen to this, but you know, exactly. And I wouldn't say average. Like, look, I'm, I, I really like to say, especially in our world today, like I have been with my husband more than half my life and we still have a great sex life and I'm really happy about that. Um, and, um, and I'm more in love with him than ever. Um, and that's super possible without, you know, we don't have an open relationship. I, uh, you know, there's, it's not too kinky. Um, (laughs) and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, there's aspects of it that are pretty old school and yet we're madly in love. Um, so I just like to show, you know, like to, to me, that feels very radical. (laughs) And and you mentioned your husband, he worked on this film with you, but he played the complete opposite. Oh my God. He played such an asshole. We had so much fun. (laughs) And that's when we first did the reading, these are the roles that we played. Um, and so we thought, and we both loved these roles. And he's, you know, he gets hired as, we get hired, we get, we both get typecast in these kind of characters a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get typecast in these sort of, I like to say Cassandra-like characters who speak their truth and um, say things other people are really afraid to say. And it's scary as hell to do it. But it's really fun, too. It's really fun to play those roles. Um, and um, and he gets played, he gets cast as the asshole a lot. And I think it's because he's so nice that, like, you don't want, the thing is, you don't want an asshole to play the asshole. I think it's why I get, you know, cast as these challenging women sometimes. I'm avoiding the word bitch. Um, because... Uh, you don't want a difficult woman, a difficult human to play a difficult human. You want a really nice human to play the difficult human because you're going to have to spend a lot of time with them, you know? Right. That's like the idea of when you're writing, you know, that um, it's fun to write the bad guys rather than, you know, the good ones. Totally. I am a writer. I love writing evil people. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? I feel like they're it's more fun to write. Fun. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so uh, yes. And what was it like working with him? Um, you know, because Ashleen mentioned to me while we were watching it, she mm-hmm. so, which we didn't know that you were married to him before we watched it. We went in completely oh, good. blind. Oh, good. <laughs> and Ashleen texts me and she goes, you know, there's a lot of sexual tension between those two that are fighting. <laughs> it's yeah it's that's written in um we had so much fun that that one little scene that where it's just the two of us we had so much we have like an outtake reel that i think if you buy the dvd you get and um and we could not stop laughing in that scene like it was so hard we were just totally cracking each other up um would you say that that was your favorite scene to film possibly yeah I mean it was so fun and and I mean there's so many the other scene the scene in my art studio where I'm showing her my art was really Mm -hmm. special because that that one we arrived on set that day and the director was like guess what we 
got we have this special camera today and we just found out that we can shoot the whole scene in what's called a oneer okay which means you never cut like we shot that scene as if it was it was one camera one take um like the way they shot the the film birdland um right birdman so um that was crazy fun and awesome I bet it was a little um, intimidating. And so scary. Like, <laughs> so scary. When we first got there and found out, we were like, <laughs> um, but. So like, how many. A wonderful challenge. How many takes uh, do we you think did that it, it took? Well, we did it like nine times altogether. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> but it was almost a 10 minute scene. So that was the day. Oh, yeah. man. Um, so. The end of the movie is kind of mm-hmm. interesting because it ends so ambiguously. Uh, mm. Was it meant to be left up to kind of Absolutely. an interpretation? Yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. Because yeah, we wanted, you know, we we wanted people and different audiences and different people have incredibly different opinions about, mm-hmm. you know, or imaginations about what has happened and what's going to happen next you know which we that's my dream that's my goal okay. is that everybody you know some think some people think they end up together some people don't you know it's it's all very much open to interpretation well how do you interpret it um that's such a good question <laughs> i i kind of don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it but I feel like Tina is really happy and is living her truth. And I do believe she has a relation, like she, they're in her life. Mm-hmm. All of these people are still in her life, including the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's redefining what that means. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Um, now, of course, you're here because you're promoting Egg. Mm-hmm. But at the time that this is going to come out, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you are on Orange Is the New Black. I sure I am. So I figure we'll just uh, wrap up this interview, maybe talking a little bit awesome. about that. You know, it's it's the final season, mm-hmm. so we kind of want to know what maybe your favorite moment is out of filming oh. throughout all of this. You know, all these years. Wow. Or at, least, question. or at least that's a huge question there i <laughs> or at least a I couple suck yeah <laughs> i suck at picking favorites i will say the m night shalama llama scene was truly one of the most fun moments ever you know like just it, it just was it was such great writing i sort of call that an aria, you know, as an actor, when, when someone writes you a speech like that, it's right. like an aria in opera, you know, and right. that one was incredible to get the gift to say. Um, I could think about other favorite moments. Um, this season, I am insanely proud to be part of the storytelling. Um, because it's it is so beautiful and amazing and unique and we are talking about 
things that no one has talked about before. And we are mm-hmm. talking about um, the industrial prison complex and how it relates to immigration, which, you know, we hinted at at the end of last season right. yeah. um, in ways that nobody has talked about on television before. And so and it- I'm really proud to be part of that storytelling. Yeah, I agree. And I also think Orange is the New Black is one of those shows that are just like once in a lifetime. Kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you have, yep. you have the, for HBO, it was The Sopranos and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. And, and to see a TV show centered around a group of women and yeah. the complex relationships between women and well, not... people of women of color, too. Yeah. Like, you don't yes. see a lot of that in television so yeah i i so hope that sometime soon we will you know our our modern culture will create another show that has an ensemble of actors that is equally diverse but i don't necessarily um i'm not holding my breath (laughs) That's completely understandable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I mean, you're slow. Like, uh, you kind of see the change slowly. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it, in total, it's, you know, the almighty dollar, right? So yeah. that's why, you know, companies are, are starting to kind of slowly shift yeah. um, certain ways and not whitewashing stories mm-hmm. as they had, you know, in the past. Yep, completely. Uh. So I just hope it, I just hope it continues massively, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess this is, uh, this is going to wrap it up. So um, once again, we do want to thank you for being on the show for us. My pleasure. Um, also, is there anything that you want to promote upcoming things or? N- other than Orange, I don't think so. Watch, enjoy. I'm also on the Deuce. Um, I don't know when season three is going to be coming out. Um, oh. And if you don't watch Better Things, I'm also on that, which is on FX. Oh. Um, we start shooting season four in October. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. And thank uh, you. You have a great one. You too. Take good care. All right. Bye bye. Da 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 now we're going to give you our links and then we'll see you next week because, you know, we're still in a GSRM Pride Month. Um, so you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the feminist critique podcast. I am on Twitter at South of Grace. If you have any suggestions or anything like that, uh, you can email us at the feminist critique podcast at gmail.com or join our Discord, the link of which is going to be in the description. So, yeah, that's it for me, Ashley. Um, we are also on Twitter as Feminist Pod. And um, I am on both Twitter and uh, Instagram as Ashleen's, A I S L E N E S. And on uh, Instagram as my drag persona, which is Aurora Borealis. 
So you can check out both of those. And we will see you guys on Tuesday with uh, some movie. I'm not sure which one. Whatever. Bye. <coughs> Gracie, did you say bye? No, not again. No, I'm saying bye now. Bye. What the fuck? Okay, bye. <laughs>